Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey friends, welcome to the Tennis and Bagels podcast. We are a little bit late on this one, but the ATP Tour finals just happened last week and... Uh, Lots of things, uh, including a massive run by Novak Djokovic. Um, I guess I wanted to say that I wasn't expecting it, but everybody was really expecting it. Not necessarily the way that it happened. I think that was the most impressive things. But yeah, we're here to review all of that um, in a bit. And I'm here with Owen. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, How much did you get to watch of the TP Finals last week? A fair bit. I didn't see everything, but I think I caught the most important parts, so I'll I'll be able to break it down. Good. I uh, was able to get most of no- uh, Djokovic's matches towards the end of it, and I watched uh, Felix's as well. So mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm covered as well. That is good. Good thing about the ATP Finals that unlike a Grand Slam, there's not like 64 matches happening at the same time. So you're obviously going to miss <laughs> one or two. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that was nice for me as well this year. It was just like a couple a day. Like it wasn't action all day, so like you didn't have to like skip every commitment. Just like a couple. Yeah, plus it's it's pretty spread out. So I I thought at first it was like a little bit of a weird scheduling, but honestly, it works out pretty nicely. Yeah, yeah. You have a match, I guess, at two p.m. Like if you're in Montreal or like Eastern time, and then the next one is like at nine p.m. So we have plenty of time to do all of your commitments to watch the match and. Yeah, even if the matches go long, which a lot of them did. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. There are a lot of competitive matches, like not that many routes, which was nice because like you never really want to see that at a tournament with the top eight players. So, yeah. Um, so what caught most of your attention in this one? I guess I already started mentioning Novak Djokovic, but <laughs> it, it's a good place to start. I mean, yeah. sort of like you, I wasn't expecting it either. Like, I mean, because he hadn't won since 2015, which was not only the best year of his career, but arguably the best year any man has ever had on the ATP Tour. Um, And he had lost in ways in the past few years where I was thinking like, okay, I know his endurance is still really good, but I don't know if he has enough in this format where you're playing every day. Um, And so I kind of just figured like he'd get worn down or like he'd have a bad match, kind of like he did last year, I think, when he lost Mm. to... uh, was it Zverev last year? Yeah. Um, like yeah, he just I think it was Zverev in the, in the semis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that match, he just wasn't really at his sharpest. And I guess yeah. I figured that was going to happen again because, yeah. like, and it's not like anyone else in the tournament was more of a favorite. Like, I would have been prepared to say Medvedev, but then he lost to Demonor in the first round of Paris. And I was like, okay, he's no one's favorite after that. Um, and so, like, Djokovic was the favorite going in for me, but, like, between the field and Djokovic, I would have gone with the field. I think that was, mm. um, I think that was a way John Silk put it on a on a podcast, and um, and like I I agreed with that. So I was I was really impressed that he ended up winning. 
Yeah, I think when you say the field, the one thing I think for me is that maybe I was I was expecting Djokovic to make it to the semis, but I guess as you say, like with another seven top eight guys, I was expecting two or three to like wear, wear him down enough so that in the finals or the semis, he'd be tired enough so that one guy could take yeah. advantage. It's like of like coming in waves, like everybody punches him once and then, and, exactly. and then the last one just like goes and goes for the knockout, but didn't happen. Even though he, um, he was fresher, I guess. And then, than in other years, just mostly because of his own decisions most of the time, but he ended up not playing a lot of the year. So motivation was there to actually like try to grab the last title and kind of send a message as well. Like say like, Hey, don't forget about me. Like, it's yeah. not like I didn't play because I couldn't physically. It's, but yeah, um, but even though uh, he actually kind of felt weirdly not fit for this one, like all the shaking yeah. and maybe he was ill at some point, but I've played tennis ill and I can tell it's not fun. Like it's, it's fun because it's tennis, but I couldn't really move all that well. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, doing anything ill is a challenge. Yeah. Like I, Although I don't even really think it was sickness. I think it was just fallout from the Medvedev match, which he, and, you know, at the time, and I still kind of think this, like, he did not have to try that hard. Like, everyone was saying, like, oh, he wants the points and he wants, like, the, or he wants the prize money or whatever. But it's like, yeah, let's say you win that round robin match. If it ends yeah. up killing you for the semis, like, you're, like, you're going to get less than you would have if you lost in the round robin match and won yeah. your semifinal. Um, and I don't think he was that far away from losing his semi. Like, I think if Fritz doesn't make, like, 21 on force errors in the first set, then, like, maybe we're looking at a different champion. And obviously, credit to Djokovic for putting in that mammoth effort to beat Medvedev, toughing out Fritz in the big moments. I mean, you you can look at a shot like that, that forehand he hit on set point against Fritz in the first set. Like, winner down the line, not really from an attacking position, made it by like an inch like that's you know that's greatness in a nutshell um yeah. all the credit to him for that but i was seriously questioning the way he played this tournament as it was happening yeah i think uh when i i can i can't say that prize money is as a motivation i don't think djokovic cares yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's a fraction of what he makes only on sponsors like if anything he just wants to pay like his his team or whatever he just maybe donates the money or something like that but i think for me like he has two reasons i think he wanted to get as close as possible to number four so that he doesn't have right. to face somebody in the quarters, like in the Australian Open, where he is yeah. going to be able to play finally. Um, and the other thing is, like, I feel like I just, he just wanted to win and just be like, mm-hmm. just tell people that he's still the kind of the best player in the world. Just after all the attention, the begin the, the first half of the year was over Nadal and then was over on Alcaraz. Kind of, he probably just felt left out in a way. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like he <laughs> until Wimbledon, he just really was not that relevant. Even though he won Rome, yeah. um, it was only kind of after when he started to seem like himself again. So, yeah, I, I understand that part of it. Like wanting yeah. to, I guess, prove his relevance again, even yeah. though. At this point, he does not have to do that because of, you know, the career he's had. Um, and and I guess part of it is, like, the rivalry with Medvedev. And people were saying, yeah. like, oh, he doesn't want to, like, lose a step against Medvedev before the Australian Open. But, like, he tanks their round-robin match in 2020 and then went on to destroy him in the Australian Open final at the start of 2021. So That's true. Like, so, I don't know. That didn't seem like a factor to me. I, like... 
and and it's also not sorry i don't know why this is bothering me because like it <laughs> it was just weird to me at the time like it's also not like he's gotten a doll's temperament right like Djokovic yeah. is not a stranger to like tanking a set or like a non-important yeah. match like we've seen him do it before so i got some responses on twitter that were like you know he's a warrior he doesn't know how to tank and it's like okay warrior yes i know he knows how to tank because i've seen him do it before yeah. so but yeah i mean i'm you know in retrospect i'm glad he played as hard as he did because yeah, yeah. the match was a lot of fun i think it was probably the match of the tournament all things considered so yeah yeah i guess in a way I, i do have to agree though like it kind of feels almost like junior-ish to try and like i'm just gonna do my best and win like even though like due to 35 and you really don't have to do this yeah <laughs> but yeah it it definitely felt like more of a more of an ego ego win rather than uh uh which to be fair it's Djokovic. i guess he does whatever he wants and he ends up ended up winning the tournament and giving us like one of the best matches as you said it so um yeah. we'll we'll give we'll i guess we have to stop it at that but um impressive i guess like now that we're talking a bit about, about medvedev How brutal is it that he lost two and three tiebreakers against, well, he should have won against arguably Rublev and Tsitsipas. You could say that he should have won against Djokovic, as we were saying, but that one always can tip over to the other side as he did. But I would say yeah. he, he should have beaten Rublev and Tsitsipas on a good day he would have, I think. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I think there are a couple ways to look at it. Like, the, the Rublev one, I actually almost give him a pass for like that one he didn't play well like he mm -hmm. didn't play well enough to win but he was never like ahead in the score i guess like yeah. um or like i guess he won the first set but he kind of stole it and um and in that tie break at the end he was playing from behind but like Djokovic and Tsitsipas he served for both matches like i you know i can't defend those losses because he's got That's a great true. serve um and historically i don't think he's been a choker um like i think before this tournament he had only failed to serve out one match in his professional career or something and that was the one against nadal at the same tournament in 2019 so like and i guess especially the one against Tsitsipas, like you know against Djokovic, like you're serving for the match and he breaks you i get it he has done that to everyone in every situation yeah like he's a great returner he's clutch it's gonna happen but against Tsitsipas, i'm like dude you historically And less this year, he has owned that rivalry, Medvedev. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he clutched out the second set. He got the break in the third set, and he's serving it out. Like, there was no reason why he shouldn't have won that. Um, and he found a way to lose. Like, and, and I'll add, like, just played horrific tie breaks against Tsitsipas and Djokovic, too, in the sure. third set. Like, he was not remotely competitive in either of them. I think it was, like, 7-1 and 7-2, something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a bad way to end a bad year for him, really. Yeah, it it almost ended on the right note, but he just couldn't push through. I mean, I do I do like that his fighting spirit is sort of back, so that he's even when yeah. playing badly, as you said, like against Rublev, a player that he should own, like on a when he's playing his best tennis. Um, but. Yeah, I guess it, it it's it just stinks for him because he, he could have ended so much better. He was so close to ending it so much better, and he didn't. Um, so it it he kind of doesn't come out as a nowhere near favorite for the Australian Open at this point now, which is very sad because when we when we think about last year, he was such a big favorite, and he almost pulled through against Nadal this year. But then after that, he just stopped being Medvedev. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I 
Yeah, I mean, it's a sad way to put it, but you're right. He hasn't yeah. been the same. I mean, I think next year, best of five, like he'll finally have a rest. Like, you know, maybe he comes back refreshed. And yeah. I, say, I think he still will be a factor. But yeah, like not a favorite by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um, and this year, like I was saying on Twitter yesterday, it seems like he was on like a, it seems like when he was like destined to win that title because he won that match against Felix, which he had no right to win yeah. from two sets down, two match points down. He beats Tsitsipas impressively. And then in the final against Nadal, he looked unbeatable for most of the first two and a half sets. Yeah. And then it spiraled out of control and it's like, okay, like huge opportunity missed, but it just never got as good as that in 2022 again. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there are a bunch of reasons for it. Like, recovering from a loss like that is not easy he had a hernia he um wasn't allowed to play Wimbledon like a lot of stuff beyond his control but like when he has played it's just you know very precious few moments when he looks like himself at his best yeah I do I do hope that he comes back at his best like uh, in a sense like because Nadal was able to do it um this year even though you say oh Nadal is Nadal but like he he was still 36 years old and or 35 um and his foot doesn't help either so um he really clutched out that win like was very opportunistic so maybe it could still happen to to Medvedev that he's gonna be better next year he's I guess he's as you say he's gonna have a rest maybe go down like a full reset um every year like I feel like there is a sense of like something new beginning so he can just kind of put away the and the this year and just kind of like focus on, on the rest and um if we want to stay a bit on um, on this group, I think mm-hmm. we don't have to talk too much about Rublev because we already said a lot. I do think it's great that he reached the semifinals. I think he's, he's doing yeah. super well. I don't agree with uh, Tsitsipas' comments. I think it was too salty for me. I think you should, you could, he could have done better. Um, but on Tsitsipas, definitely something's got to change there because he's got the game that there's a missing piece or an extra piece. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think we can talk about his comments and then maybe use that to, you know, spiral out and talk about their match yeah. in the, um, to decide who made the semis. I mean, I I don't want to say I disagree with the comments because in one sense, like, Tsitsipas was right because, you know, Rublev is, he's not a deep player. You know, his game is very much, like, hit the ball hard, hit it to the open space, and dictate as much as possible. Like, if you can get back his forehands, then he doesn't really have a way to beat you. Um, I think Um, other people might have a, I guess, more charitable view of his game, but uh, like, I think TT boss saying that after you've just gone down to him six, two in the third um, one, no one is going to take you seriously. And two, like Rublev played a very good match, right? Like he, I think he had a lot of great backhands. He was going down with his, going down the line with his backhand quite a bit effectively. Um, he served well. Like in the last two sets, he faced one break point and saved it. Um, and so, like, I guess if you're going to make a comment like that, it will be better received if you've just beaten that player, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. What did you think of their match? Because I, um, I did sort of live commentary on it with a couple mm. other people on talking tennis. Um, so I have some thoughts about it. But what did you think? Yeah. Um, I think Rublev was impressively good for his level i think that if he could find that certain level and just kind of instead of instead of just like trying to dictate and um 
redirect pace a little bit more. I think he can be really effective with it, especially on his on his backhand side. Um, mm-hmm. He is, I think, is some sort of version of Felix now, where he's kind of like always steadily progressing just a tiny little bit. And I think that kind of showed because I feel like he counterpunched extremely well in that match. Because uh, as you said, like when he was um, being stretched out of off to his backhand, I think he came up with. Uh, very, very good shots. Um, I think he can dictate with that backhand more like when he's on the defensive side, he can just turn it into attack again. Uh, not something that happens too, too much on the forehand. He kind of like relies on that just like regular cross-court forehand, which you normally try to hit a little bit harder and flatter. But um, yeah, I think the improvement on the backhand and just how he was moving on, over, the ba- over the baseline when he was under attack was... His his greatest weapon. I don't think he was great enough to beat like a Tsitsipas playing like at his best tennis or uh, Medvedev mm-hmm. again. Um, but it's it's great to see. Like I think as we've seen um, when he beat both Medvedev and Tsitsipas, he has become. I feel like in my opinion, he's become that kind of player that you don't want to be facing when you're not playing. At your very best, because he yeah. can find opportunities to, you know, get the win. Um, but yeah, like he's he's kind of a, a very tricky underdog, I would say. Like in his in his next few matches against the uh, top tens when he plays next, but Tsitsipas man just spiraled down in that match. Like the, this, the yeah. third set was not good. <laughs> he was. Missing shots, his focus was gone. He didn't have it in it. His face was was saying everything. Like, honestly, I was looking at his face and I was just thinking, this guy is just pissed. He doesn't even care whether he wins or loses. He's just he's just very annoyed right now. And I'm not sure even at what was he annoyed. Was it his level? Was it a Rublev's level? Was it his dad? Was it a defense? He was annoyed at something and he couldn't he couldn't play tennis he couldn't just, he just couldn't focus so yeah yeah i guess what was alarming to me from that match from tc pass's side you touched on it like he spiraled out of control like he yeah. he began the match immaculately i think he made his in the first set he couldn't have been cleaner um i think he made one on force error or zero on force errors i was like after that i was like i have no idea how rubo was gonna win um and then he just you know, for no apparent reason, um, stopped playing well. Like, not just, you know, came down from the clouds, but, like, fell very, very far. Um, And he didn't get it back. Like, and, you know, Rublev played very well in the last two sets, like, including with his his weaknesses as well as his strengths, which we've we've touched on. But then you have Tsitsipas, like, 2-4 and deuce in the third set and he double faults twice in a row to give up a double break and the match really um like that i i don't know i i didn't expect that i i don't expect that from anyone much less a you know top 10 top five player who has had a lot of success so i don't know he he's had a weird year too like it hasn't been as bad as medvedev's by any means um but i don't think it's been good like i I think he significantly undershot his potential. I don't think he built on last year. Um, I don't think he has momentum. I yeah, I don't know. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's it's super deceiving. Like when it comes to how many matches he's won, and he did win Monte Carlo. He played 
he played well like a few tournaments i think what is it is he the the leader in match wins in this year i think he is yeah i think he's the leader in match wins. so yeah that's yeah yeah so and, it's, and it's a good stat but it's like which you know it needs context yeah. like how many of those matches have been big yeah and and that and the fact that he played plenty of tournaments and how many of those matches are are memorable like i had no idea he was the match winner leader like in my head it would have been Alcaraz because it's been just yeah. so clutch in big moments but but he, he isn't but um yeah I, I agree with you I think he's just picking up wins here and there and just kind of like trying to find something but um he's you know like when you when you stumble and you start falling and just kind of like cannot really like just kind of like go up and get your hands like all of this like on the like just trying not to fall like that for me is like tissy passes image is just trying not to fall <laughs> and this is essentially what's happening uh in my in my head so i can't even see him making too much of an advance like maybe uh in on the hard courts in australia it's it's a long time before clay court season comes back again but he's always good that he can there he can always find some level i can see him maybe winning another like a 500 like in barcelona maybe um a 1000 event he did reach a final in rome this year but he didn't win against Djokovic. but come on um yeah uh it's it's tough to see him like breaking out of like whatever is happening to him right now. Like I just don't, I just can't really pinpoint like the reason I do think that his, his dad can be part of the issue. I don't want to say that he's completely part of the issue. I'm not in his box. I don't know what's going on inside of his inner circle and whatnot, but it just kind of felt like he was looking at his box and his dad was constantly talking to him. And I, in my head, I was just thinking, I can't, this can't be good. Like, yeah, you, there is a moment where a tennis player need silence for you know just kind of not somebody like talking to him all the time um and when it's a fan like it's one thing like because it, it kind of gets annoying and maybe security can just take them out if they're talking too much but it's mm-hmm. also a voice that you don't really recognize whereas like if it's your father you understand you know that voice so that voice kind of like cuts through the crowd a lot more and gets to your head so i think that it could be something on his coaching team like yeah. that can be uh maybe need a bit of change i don't know i would probably put like a good stefan edberg in his team and like hope for the best but yeah or or just someone who's like a little quieter like i think um yeah or who helps him i don't know i mean i think the effect of who's in your box can be like overblown just because it's such a visible thing during matches so like maybe behind the scenes things are much better um and we just see them jawing at each other during the match it's like oh this is what's responsible for his problems and maybe it's just exactly but i mean the game isn't where it needs to be like i don't think he's i've i think the one thing that's happened for him this year is that he put up some good performances on hard court like i think the wins over Medvedev were big. And I think he, the matches against Djokovic were good, even though he lost um, like in Paris and in Turin, I think he pushed Djokovic harder than I expected yeah. him to. Aside from that, I don't think his game has developed this year. Like I, some people have said like the slice has gotten better. Like if that's true, I think it's a marginal improvement. Um, same goes for the return of serve. Um, and I, I feel like maybe some of his strengths haven't been as sharp, like the serve and the forehand. I think there are matches when they're just not as sharp as they've maybe been in the past. Like, I don't know. I think I can pick maybe one or two matches this year where I've thought like, 
holy crap, his game is razor sharp right now. I mean, the one that comes to mind is the one against Sinner at the Australian Open. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that, like, how many matches can you pick this year where it's like, wow, that was peak stuff? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, um, yeah. I would say, like, I agree. I think his it, it might be something in his game, might be something in in his head because. I don't really know. I think that the slice has really improved, but I think that the return of serve is definitely what's holding him back a lot. And I a hundred percent agree. I think his serve somehow got less sharp. I'm not sure if he's focusing on, on something else while in the match. I'm not sure if he's kind of getting a bit of the eeps, but the eeps, but I'm not really sure because it, it, it doesn't look bad. Technically it's just kind of missing the mark and, can't quite sure exactly. Can't can't quite be sure exactly what's going on with Tsitsipas, but yeah, he needs a bit of that um, the desire. I feel like doesn't necessarily feel like he's enough in the moment when he plays a match. And I think when you play, especially at that level, you really need to be thinking about this point and this point only and not about the next or not about the one that has just passed. Like you really have to be in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really know what to expect for him next year. Like I, I don't think, I feel like the best we can hope for maybe is like a repeat of his 2021 where he's like very relevant on clay and kind of semi relevant on hard courts. Um, I don't know if, because, like, sort of like we've been saying, something major needs to change. Like, his weaknesses are the same as they've always been. Um, it's not really like he's... It's not just that he's failing to play his best. It's that, like, there are major holes in his game. And I think that was another reason people didn't really take him seriously after what he said about Rublev. Like, because mm. in some ways, Tsitsipas is almost one-dimensional as well, or he can be. Like, he's got a good transition game, absolutely. Like, he's got pretty good touch, but he's extremely limited from the backhand side. Um, he is not a good returner. Um, like in, so in that way, like if you can serve well, then you're going to beat him a lot of the time like that. And and so I think you could argue that like, there are times when he has few tools as well. Um, and, and look, like I, I think he is so good at his best. I've seen him at his best and he's great. Um, and I would love for him to get back there, but I don't know. This year has just not been encouraging. Yeah, it's true. And uh, I guess if you want to transition a bit, like I think you mentioned interestingly how if he's serving well, he can get you out of trouble. And I think that's essentially the what ended up happening in, in the other group. I don't know if it was a group red or green, but the one with Fritz and Felix, uh, both, those two specifically um, have been clutch on serve specifically, I think. And that's probably one of the reasons why they made it to Turin, first of all, and to have been able to push each other and push, um, beat Nadal and uh, Fritz did super well against Djokovic. I think their serve, especially on that surface, yeah. has been massively key for them. Shame for for Felix who couldn't really find much of a level. Well, he he couldn't really find his level in the third set. But that's mostly because Fritz was on fire. Like on the third set, the six two was he was just returning phenomenally well. His forehand was was really big, and I think at the backhand. Uh, Fritz was better than Felix's on that day. Um, I'm not entirely a huge fan of Felix's backhand when he's on is working, but just 
I yeah. guess because like when you play well, things tend to work out nicely. But it's not a shot that I would say gets him out of trouble like when he needs it or when he's in, against the wall. But uh, yeah. I would say for Fritz, it's a bit of he can you can use that backhand a lot better. I would say Dude, he's got a good backhand now. Yeah. Like he hit a couple yeah, yeah. like winners down the line against Djokovic. Like he's yeah. you know he handled Nadal's topspin pretty well. It's it's like a real backhand. Like and you know for. For an American man, that's yeah. like seeing a unicorn, you know. I mean, I don't. That's a slight exaggeration, you yeah. know. Like Tiafo and Brooksby have like real backhands, but yeah. like I think Fritz's is at the point where it's becoming an actual strength, which is massive. Yeah, yeah. I'd say like this new generation of tennis players, maybe outside of Riley Opelka, who's good in his own right and size, but um, Tommy Paul, Tiafo. Fritz, uh, Brooksby, they all have like a really solid like baseline game, like different strengths in there. Like Brooksby is a lot more of a counter puncher. Um, Tiafo is kind of like a all round player, and Fritz is mm-hmm. a little bit taller, doesn't move super well, but does. I think uh, Gil Gross actually put up a tweet once, and I thought, I thought it was pretty interesting. Like how he said, like Fritz is never going to be a Djokovic mover, but he's improved his his movement enough and to to his own capabilities that he can you know hide this weakness in a sense but like make it not a weakness but um it might not be his strength but it's not holding him down so um and i guess he did the same with the backhand i guess um becoming like a, a he already has a big serve a big forehand he's good at the net and like adding the backhand it's just going to be impressive for his game uh make made it to Turin a bit of out of luck because Alcaraz um, withdrew but yeah i can see him making to Turin again next year i can see him going far into main majors I wouldn't be surprised if he like made a semi like in the US Open or if he if the draw opens up maybe Australia already. So and yeah. he's one of the players who has the potential to do well at Wimbledon as well, just because of the nature of his game. Yeah, I mean he did pretty well there this year, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, probably should have beaten it all and that would have gotten him to the semis. Um yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think he had quite a good year, and this is gonna sound like I'm being insanely harsh on Medvedev and Tsitsipas and much more kind to Fritz. And I'll say that this is because I think Medvedev and Tsitsipas have much higher base levels. Hmm. Um, And I think Fritz's is lower. Um, And so I think with respect to those base levels, Fritz has overachieved a lot more than those two this year. Hmm. Um, I think he's had a very steady and like even steep improvement track. Um, And I I think he had a pretty good tournament. Like I, I would have liked to see him push Djokovic a little bit harder. Um, like he, I, and it was a tight match, you know, two tie breaks, um, sort of for the second set. Um, but, you know, it was a good tournament. Yeah. Like, like you said, a little lucky to qualify and um, he made the semis. So. Yeah. Made it the best of his opportunity. And um, yeah, the, 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 his win against Felix, I thought it was really impressive. It's the second time he beat him in this year. He beat him in the ATP Tour, uh, ATP Cup as well, in the beginning of the year. Um, and yeah, I think he's pretty imposing as a player and uh, kind of makes me excited to see more of what happens next for him. Hmm. Um, and since we added, like, a really great end of season for Felix. I think he kind of got a bit unlucky, uh, absolutely against uh, Fritz. Um, probably was a bit tired as well. Like he played, he he won like three titles in a row, made it to the semifinals, and uh, 
uh, in Paris and then almost made it to the semifinals again. And uh, he kind of clutched out the second set, by the way. Like I must say, like that match was pretty good. It's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess don't have much to say slash can't say much again, anymore against Felix. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think his tournament was like mildly disappointing, um, but he, um, he played so much tennis at the end of the year. This is his yeah. first ATP finals. I think like, I have a much easier time being gentle with him um, when I, you know, evaluate how things went. Like, I think, you know, should he have beaten um, Fritz? Like, I, you know, I think he's a better player. Like, so from that standpoint, sure. Um, mm-hmm. Should he have beaten, who else did he lose to in the group stage? Rude. Rude. Should he have beaten Rude? Like, you know, I think, I think you can make that argument, but, yeah. you know, he beat, he beat Nadal. Um, he pushed, um, he pushed Fritz. Like I think he will be back in this tournament next year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think on the whole, like he he also had a bit of a weird year in that like the highs were high. I think higher than Medvedev's and Tsitsipas's yeah. relative to what they had achieved before that. But the lows were very low too. Like went out very early at Wimbledon in the U.S. Open. Um, but I was really encouraged by a lot of what he did. Um, yeah. I think the way he went out at the Australian Open and Roland Garros was impressive, like pushing Medvedev in it all the way he did, even though maybe he should have beaten Medvedev. Um, and yeah, that run at the end of the season was fantastic. So I'm, yeah, I have high hopes for him going into 2023. Yeah. I think it's interesting how Fritz himself called Felix the chosen one and beats him yeah. right after. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. go on. Sorry. I was going to say like, it's kind of interesting. Like, I think almost with Alcaraz at the U.S. Open last year, like, Felix beat him, and that was partly because Alcaraz was, you know, injured and stuff. But yeah. I feel like it's sort of a similar thing where, like, you're beating them in the moment, but you know, like, two years from now, like, it it's not going to be good. Like, they're going to be a monster. Um, and I think we're already seeing that with Alcaraz. Like, and I think Felix is yeah. maybe not on the same track, but, like, I can't wait to see what he's doing at the end of next year. Yeah, it's true. I think why he showed it, the thing that impressed me the most about Felix, I'm I'm not really afraid to say, is that what was bad about his game before, and that's natural, he's only 22, uh, meaning that his past three years he was younger. He would have qualified for every year at the ATP Next Gen um, finals, but he just chose not to go because he was in a much better place than everybody else. Um, But he doesn't resort to, like, his he used to have a bit of a pattern when he wasn't doing well and he was kind of narrow kind of like a narrow vision like a tunnel vision that he used to get like and he was losing when he was nervous when he was playing his finals oftentimes he would just kind of go over to like same type of um, serve patterns and then run around his backhand and hit inside out forehands like over and over and he would do this all the time and that would open up yeah all the time he would open up this space over his um, his forehand side and he yeah. was a predictable um play so not only the space was open you knew it was going to be open so that ended up being kind of and it would just kind of be a, like a vicious circle right for him um he would always kind of be on that one and he would be surprised that nothing was working and he couldn't find a solution and you would make it things even worse but now he's finding the solutions which is great because as a tennis player that's what you have to do you have to uh, problem solve and uh, he is problem solving and Felix at his best is is definitely great and I'm happy to say that now at his lower level 
he's a lot better than his lower level the, the past few yes. years. So um, that's encouraging. His floor has been leveled up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think even from earlier in the year, probably like, and, um, you know, and when your peak level is as good as Felix is. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And I would say that this applies to um, someone like Tsitsipas as well with a very aggressive game. Um, the floor is really more important, right? Because like if if you're accurate and you're hitting your spots, like you will win. You will be 90, 98% of the people you play. Maybe you'll still lose to Djokovic, but that's just what he does. Um, what's going to be telling is, like, who can you beat when you're missing? Um, and um, and so, yeah, I feel like that's the next step for Felix and probably Tsitsipas and maybe even Alcaraz as well. Yeah. Um, because, like, at their best, they're so good, so explosive, and obviously different players, but they'll just blow you away with aggression. Um but, you know, you're going to have days when you're missing. Um, and I feel like that was sort of what we got from Felix at the ATP finals. Like, he wasn't at his best. Um, and he lost two of his three matches. So I think that's the next step. Yeah. Yeah. And Rude, I am always kind of unsure what to think of him. Because he made improvements on his backhand. Um, but I, I don't... It's obviously not a Djokovic-level backhand. I don't think it's even a Fritz-level backhand. Um, but... Um, although he he did beat Fritz in the in the group stage, um, yeah. but I'm not entirely sure if Rude has already peaked. Like, is is this as as good as he can get? I'm not entirely sure because he made three big finals out of the fine the the five this year. He uh, um, ATP finals, and then he did Roland Garros, and also the US Open. Uh, played quite well at the U.S. Open as well. Uh, I was expecting almost like a fifth set the way that he played. I think the fourth, yeah. the third against um, Alcaraz. He was so, really close to winning yeah. that set. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't think he's peaked. I mean, yeah. I think like I think he's probably more than maybe anyone we've talked about so far shown the most like tangible improvement this year. Hmm. Like because that that backhand was a weakness. He's um. I mean, he wasn't like a great defender or anything, and now I think he's become a legitimate, a legitimately great defender. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's getting everything back. Like in that semi against Rublev, I think he just and you know Rublev kind of imploded, but Rude was getting everything back. He was like hitting backhand winners, um, and so very early on, he was playing a couple of points where like even once he didn't win, I was like, if he is covering the court this well, then this is ending in straight sets, um, and it did. Um, I think that kind of got him in trouble against Djokovic because 
you know, Djokovic doesn't care at how doesn't care how good you are at like hanging back and slicing deep. Like he'll he'll keep hitting corner to corner until you draw for he gets a winner. And yeah. I think that's kind of what happens. Like Rude, I think got too comfortable defending and it's like you're not going to be Djokovic defending. You have to yeah. attack. And I didn't think he did enough of that. Um especially at the end of the first set. Um so like that's something to work on. Yeah. But like yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm more optimistic about Rude than I think a lot of people like I think he improved a lot this year. He's like, you know, people were calling him like a clay court merchant or vulture or whatever. And this year he made the U S open final and the ATP finals final, like both on hard court, uh, the world's war finals on like very quick hard court. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's something to take into next year. Is he going to win the Australian open? No. Is he going to win Roland Garros? Probably not next year, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's piling up points at a lot of big tournaments. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get to number one in like the next couple of years. Um, and, like, I don't think his peak level is as high as Tsitsipas's or Felix's probably, but I, yeah, I'm encouraged by Rude. I like yeah. a lot of what I've been seeing from him. Yeah, you're right. I guess um, when it comes down to like when you were saying like how um, his <clears throat> his defensive patterns weren't good enough against Djokovic. Um, I think a lot of it like came down maybe to confidence, I guess, in his backhand. I guess um, Djokovic is always like a very imposing figure on the other side of the net against no matter who. But um, I think when Rude was playing his backhands, oftentimes he'd play them um, a little bit like Tsitsipas in a way that um, he was kind of loopy, very spinny, and landing short at times and sometimes I was landing deep but doesn't didn't really have that much pace and against a guy uh, like Djokovic you have to do better unfortunately but um um yeah you can win a few points that, this way but when it becomes a pattern Djokovic just reads you like an open book it's it's yeah. and he was doing exactly that in the second set you could see like how Djokovic was moving over to his backhand he just yeah. it was screaming like Oh, I got this. Like my backhand is a lot better than this guy's. Like, what am I doing? Even doing still like standing on this court. Like, and that's why he did. He started like hitting insanely, insane backhand downline shots like all the time. Yeah. It, it became a, it became a show. It became like the Djokovic yeah. show. Like, it's it was very impressive. Like whereas like in the first set, Rude was really going toe to toe with him against um, yeah. up until like five five five, and he I don't know if he dropped as much his level as much as Djokovic kind of remembered his Djokovic in a sense but like I guess Djokovic sort of does what Djokovic does better in which like there is this pressure moment and then he just realizes I gotta do this now and then he just put his level up just a tad bit more like on his turn he played outrageous returns at times um off his forehand off his backhand everywhere else and he he got the break, and then after that, it was almost one way traffic. So, um, but yeah, absolutely, hundred percent credit to Rude. I think he can, if he can be a little bit more aggressive off of his backhand side. The forehand is is really good, and Djokovic was kind of avoiding it unless he had an open space. Um, mm. But if he can get a bit more aggressive off of his uh, his backhand, maybe add a bit more weight or flatten it out a bit, or just kind of pick his spots a little bit better. Something that he can try to do with it a little bit better to kind of make. Uh, if you can make Djokovic uncomfortable, you can probably make anyone else uncomfortable. But yeah, I would say just on that match specifically um, and on the matchup specifically, if you can use his backhand to more uh, effectiveness instead of just like pushing the ball back. Um, yeah. yeah, I think you can definitely do that. 
and I think he's got he's got the game. Even though I said I think I think he peaked, but maybe maybe right. I think he he has a lot more more room for improvement. Yeah, I, I mean, and like I, I guess in keeping with the theme of being pretty harsh on a lot of the players here, like I don't think he played a good final. I mean, hmm. you know, like look, I, I know that Djokovic is capable of playing amazing tennis when it looks like he's about to die, but. I mean, Djokovic was, like, visibly tired in, like, the third game. Like, and Rude couldn't take advantage of that. You know, he had a tired opponent who had, who seems to have nothing left. And he, he I mean, he couldn't do anything on the return. He didn't have any break points. Um, and, you know, I think you're right about the backhand. Like, in fairness to Rude, it's a terrible matchup. Like, I think, I mean, how many times have we seen it where, like, a player's improved their backhand and then they try to trade backhands with Djokovic and they just get demolished? Like, Djokovic's backhand is the best ever. Like, you need to improve your backhand out of sight if to go toe-to-toe with that. Like, no one can do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, Medvedev and maybe no one else. Fritz did a pretty good job. But you're going to lose that exchange, and so you have to find a way not to play it. Like, yeah. trade forehands, hit inside-out forehands, and... Rude just seems to be doing a lot of like passive defending out of his back. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't feel like he had a game plan to turn those points around. Um, and that pattern kept happening, and it was like, you know, Casper, like if you can't get out of this pattern, you're going to lose, and that was exactly what happened. Um, I didn't think the match was as close as the score, really. Um, but like I, I think overall it was a very successful tournament for him. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. Like yeah, I mean. You know, Rublev was probably the easiest semifinal he was going to get, so there's that. But he, you know, he beat Felix, which I wasn't really expecting. I think the win over Fritz was great. That was very, very tight. So credit to him for, you know, competing well under pressure to win that, as as cliched as that sounds. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think the one thing for him is, like, he... It's that peak level, right? It's not good enough to be yeah. the very best. He can't beat Nadal. He can't beat Djokovic. Um, and, you know, that's the next thing he's got to tackle. Like, the matchup with Djokovic is really bad. Like, I don't know if there's anything Rude does better than Djokovic. Like, I, I can imagine people would say the forehand, but, like, if that's true, it's a tiny difference. Like, Djokovic's forehand is... He can trade forehands with anyone at this point. Um I think Rude's needs a lot of time. So I think Djokovic can even like rush Rude a little bit and maybe even get the better of that exchange. So if Rude is ever going to beat Djokovic, like that is something he is going to have to figure out. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't like, I don't know what he can use to attack Djokovic in a way that's really going to make him a lot of headway. But if he doesn't figure it out, he's going to keep losing in finals. So I think that's the next thing he has to worry about. Um, the good news is like, he's been very consistent. He's gone deep in a lot of big tournaments. And I think that's yeah. something to build off of. Yeah. I guess it's good when you have a goal, like a, it's pretty clear. Like, I think if you're on his team, like I can't really pinpoint exactly what is clear, but I, I'm pretty sure that on roots team, if they have a campaign like that in a year like that, there should be very clear goals. Like if you're like, yeah observing him in and out and like day in day out like the backhand was a, obviously a clear improvement and they made clear um changes to his motion even and then also same with like maybe he served you know, improved a lot more as well as like a more like accurate um the forehand is better on hard courts it's pretty heavy um which i like um 
he can maybe he needs time but i guess nadal also needed time and always tough to compare like nadal and everybody else but um yeah. if nadal can do it he's also a human being maybe he maybe root can like imitate some of it and like maybe do some similar to what nadal yeah, has done they're on but, an exhibition together right now so maybe he can ask for it yeah why not like nadal is not gonna have that many years ahead of him to like challenge root anyway so like might as well yeah. just pass on the torch or something i don't know not that i'm <laughs> saying that nadal is gonna retire next year but he's he is 36 and he just had a child so right um you know on, on the topic of nadal um what do you think about his tournament Ah, it's it's Nadal at the ATP Finals. Like, right, that's how I feel too. I definitely feel felt like his best chance of winning was twenty twenty. Um, yeah, didn't make it. Um, this year, did I think that he could have a chance? I wasn't really sure. Like, I, I felt like he didn't play um, a whole lot of matches, and maybe that would have played in 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 his favor. He didn't play well in Paris, so that was a red flag. And as we expected, he he didn't do well um in in the finals he just didn't have the game was was rusty was low was short because not that when he's not when he is not physically uh well when it's when he feels rusty nadal's game is just attackable on a quick court it's it yeah. drops short it's just floaty his forehand doesn't have the same impact at all as he would normally have um and that's what ended up happening he met like a red hot felix who had Who's really good on indoor hard courts and has a very big uh, forehand. So, um, and he, he likes to hit it inside out as well, which was a problem. And um, Fritz as well, kind of like the same mold of player, if you will. Um, and he beat Rude, but in a way, I think Rude himself said he he wasn't playing a hundred percent. He kind of did what <laughs> we all expected Djokovic to do, <laughs> but um, yeah, but. It remains to be seen. I don't think he ever is going to win the ATP finals unless like heavens are open to him and maybe he gets on the a semifinal and Djokovic didn't make it and he's like playing the best tennis of his life at the end of the season. I'm not even sure like what even his goals would be after this. I feel like if he really wants to win the ATP finals, he's gonna plan twenty twenty three to win the ATP finals and that's it. But yeah, but like the fifth biggest tournament of the year, I don't know. Like and yeah, it's weird. I mean, I so I don't remember exactly what I said on Twitter, but it was something like, Look, did people like seriously expect Nadal to like do really well? I think it was something like I'm not that worried about him because like this was about the level I expected or something. And some people were like or like I basically said something that where it was like he's never really been a factor at this tournament and people came after me for it. And I was like and they're like he's beaten every like great hard quarter at this tournament. It's like, okay, yes, but I think Djokovic he beat in twenty ten, which like you know, and I, I guess Djokovic had done his gluten thing by then and like twenty eleven was right there, but like say whatever you want about the pre twenty eleven arguments, like Djokovic was not the same player at that tournament in 2010 as he is now or as he was like a few years ago. Yeah. Um Federer he beat in 2013 as Federer's worst year. Um you know since he became Federer. Um it's like and like it's okay, you know, like everyone has those tournaments where they're just like not that great and like this isn't at all. Um among a couple other like indoor tournaments late in the year. Um like you said it's just you know, it, I think it accentuates his weaknesses and blunts his strengths. And it's like, it, that's going to make things very, very difficult. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was about what I expected. And he had, um, 
he had been hurt. He got one match in Paris. So like, yeah, he's not in form either. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you about 2020 and like, I, I feel a bit bad for him looking back on that tournament because like he was sharp. I think he was, he was close to beating Medvedev and like, he was close to stealing that match really. Cause I think he saved a bunch of break points in the first set before winning that. And the second set, he was down four one and then served for it at five, four. And so like, he was really close to escaping with that. And then in the final, you get a team who's just played like two tie breaks and a seven, five set against Djokovic. So team had beaten him in the group stage, but like, who knows? Maybe, maybe that would have been it. Um, it, yeah, I, I almost just said it's just not meant to be for him, yeah. which, which I don't want to say. But yeah, it's just like it doesn't suit his game. You know, it's like the inverse of Roland Garros. Like, so it, you know, it is what it is. Like, it's yeah. it's okay to say that he's not that great at this tournament. It doesn't mean that he's not a great player. Yeah, and I think that when you say it, I, the thing about the ATP Finals that makes things <clears throat> a lot worse for him for his case is the fact that you're playing the top eight players like back to back to back. So right. you, you have to win at least one match uh, in the round Robin. Um, and if you do that, you have to pray that the other guys kind of like things fall into place for yourself. But yeah. realistically you want to win at least two matches in the round Robin, which is already hard enough. And then you have mm-hmm. to go into the semifinals against the two best, one of the two best guys of the other group. And then you have to, go against in the, in the final and it doesn't suit his game the surface and it, the format doesn't suit his game because of the surface which is indoor hardcore so i think as much as i don't really like the um all the whole like oh but it should be on clay or things like that i do think that if he wasn't clay he would have won it like a couple times even if it's indoors oh, sure. but like yeah I mean, yeah people like to or you know mostly Djokovic fans like to make this narrative that like because Nadal has never won this tournament. It's like, oh, he's not that great on hardcore, or like he can't beat great competition on hardcore. And it's like, it that is just so easy to disprove. Cause like yeah. you can, you just like look at what he did in Australia, you know, like he beat Medvedev, who was the US Open champion and the finalist at the Australian Open the previous year from two sets down. Yeah. He beat Berrettini, he beat Shafalov. Like these are all like, you know, high ranked players. He um I mean you have to go a little further back for this, but like he beat Djokovic in two US Open finals, and Djokovic was ranked number one during one of those. He's beaten Federer at the Australian Open three times. Um yeah, like it's it's not hard to like prove that Nadal is an all-time great player on hardcore. Yeah. It's like like you said, the indoor conditions matter. I think like he's usually physically diminished at this point in the year i think that's only gonna become a bigger deal as he gets older and so it's like 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 i don't know i mean sure like it's a hole in his like goat resume or whatever because like this is a prestigious tournament but it's like it's not like a sign that he's like not amazing on hard courts or whatever so it's like no for sure I, i wish people could just agree like yeah he's really not that great at this tournament but also like and like that means a little bit but it doesn't mean that much like i feel like it's this weird balance between people saying like oh he can't be the goat because he's never won this tournament and people saying like oh he just like consistently gets unlucky at this tournament and like maybe this year is the year and like i just don't agree with like either of those games yeah i guess even for djokovic i think djokovic clay is probably his worst surface and yeah 
just like looking by results, for example, he he was on he was on level with Federer at his best on clay, like uh, with with both as his, at his best. I would say Djokovic has the edge, but even then, like he he got to lose like that incredible match in 2011 against Federer on in the semifinals, and Federer was already like not the same at that point. Like he he was oh. kind of on his on on the beginning of his worst years, and then he he got his resurgence, but. He definitely put yeah, like, it's like you can, match. I, yeah. I, sorry, sorry. And I know no I'm ranting a lot, but yeah. it's like, so like, yeah, Federer was 30 at that point, right? Or yeah. 29 or something. But like, I think it was 30. he still played an amazing match. I feel like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel no. like some Federer fans will be like, oh, he was like 29 or 30 and he still beat Djokovic. And it's like, but he played like, there are people who have said that's the best match Federer has ever played on clay. So yeah. like, it was From a great that match. Standpoint, yeah. It doesn't really matter how old you were when you played. That's it. true. <laughs> your best. So I don't know. Um, All right. Sorry. I do. Sorry, I do. No. Going? Yeah. No. I do. I do retract my point on that one. But he also lost to Arinka in twenty fifteen. Absolutely. Uh, fifteen. Yeah. So. So yeah. He's. It's a surface where Djokovic isn't as dominant, uh, and right. that is like an, an emphatic as dominant because he is still pretty good. Like as a matter yeah. of fact, he beat Tsitsipas last year from Tsitsipas to Love Down. And this year he also beat Tsitsipas as well on in Rome, and it was a pretty. As I was watching that match, like I honestly had no doubt in my mind that Djokovic was going to win this because he was just a better player, <laughs> and this is exactly what it is. And he came in and lost to Nadal and uh, Roland Garros, but to be fair, like Rafa is the best player ever on yeah. on a clay court. Like there is not even a quite nobody even comes close to second. Like I guess pretty far behind is Bjorn Borg and then right. and then right. everybody else but yeah. Right. yeah I suggested that maybe Djokovic could be ahead of Borg and people oh like no find me on Twitter <laughs> we yeah. don't need to get it it, it, it um, is tough because of errors but I'd say I, I would I would stick with Borg if you want to make that discussion who's the greatest second player of all time okay another time but yeah yeah, yeah, and it's like, like obviously, I understand he had six Roland Garros titles yeah. to Djokovic's too, but like, sort of like you said, Clay is Djokovic's worst surface, and if you look at what he's done on that, he's beaten Nadal at every single big clay court tournament. Yeah. He has won all of them multiple times. Um, I think if you look at him on clay at his best, like I was watching the 2011 Rome final on tennis TV pretty recently, like some of the stuff he's doing is like alarming. Like the way he's defending and the way he's like going after Nadal's backhand and the way his forehand was at his best. Like, and I think that applies to um how he played in their semifinal last year at Roland Garros, even though like, I do think Nadal was diminished for part of that at the end, not the third set. Um, like, yeah, I mean, Djokovic is still really, really good on clay. Like, he's better yeah, on clay than Nadal is much. at the ATP finals. Like, I, you know, I'll say that without any, like, asterisks or qualifications. Like, um, and so I do get the argument that, like, Djokovic is a more well-balanced player. Like, I agree with that. But I also think that Nadal shouldn't be, like, called, like, not an all-time Oh, player. yeah. No, because he can't win the ATP finals. Yeah, hundred percent. I think Nadal is has proven, as you said earlier, that he... He's great on clay. He's one of the all-time greats on, on clay, on uh, on hard. Um, and he's won the tournaments to to back it up. He's beaten the players to back it up. He's yeah, maybe he wasn't as good. Like uh, maybe the second half of uh, 
of the 20 the 2010s like in terms of beating uh, a Federer or Djokovic but he was right. beating everybody else and being third against Federer and Djokovic yeah. is is not bad <laughs> i mean seriously I, i mean those two are the two best ever on hard courts yeah know? yeah so yeah and i guess like a question just to finish it like a bit on, on Nadal as well like do you think he would skip for example the US Open in order to like keep himself fresh and play better indoors just so as to try and win the ATP finals. And in my so head, I, I was thinking about um, when Ivan Lendl skipped Roland Garros to try to win Wimbledon, but then Wimbledon is Wimbledon. Okay. So, <laughs> right. Well, so I don't know if Nadal would do that. I'll go ahead and say, I think it would be dumb. <laughs> like I think as, as much as it's the case that like he hasn't won that tournament before, like, if you asked me like what would be better for his resume like a major title at the US Open or winning the ATP finals at the US Open That's absolutely true. like it's just it's just not the same you know like i i sure it would be another nice like feather in his already very decorated calf but i think when it comes to like even another Roland Garros it's just like the majors are the majors you know um mm. i don't think anything compares to them for yeah me. yeah I think to agree. I, I think if you're Rafa, like I, I would probably consider it, but it would definitely take me some time because skipping a major at his stage of his career, like especially if he feels that he, he can win it, mm-hmm. it's a massive decision, and especially for a tournament that you don't really have that much hope that you're going to win it at all. Right. Um, and you have to qualify for it, which is also big. He might not have qualified by... Um, by the US Open. So That's true. Um and and yeah, I mean that's kind of my thinking too. Like it I don't think the plan would work really. Like well, let's say he goes in fresh. He still needs to not play Djokovic because Djokovic yeah. has been destroying him on hard court for you know, almost a decade now. Yeah. Um that's that's a big if. He needs um he would need to beat everyone else, which I think like is another decent sized if. Like could yeah. he do it? Sure, but like if he runs into like a red hot Medvedev or something like that could be tricky. Um, I mean, Alcaraz, like I think would be very tricky. I assume he'll yeah. be there next year. Yeah. Um, let's hope anyway. I think, I think it's an interesting alternate universe if Alcaraz is at this year's tournament. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think it's really written in the future for Nadal to like win that tournament. And like, and again, like that's okay. You know, I think he's, yeah. I think he's just probably better off bringing his best to other tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like he's, um, I think after especially this tournament, I think he probably, I would have been saying if it was him, if I were him, like, okay, I guess I'm gonna focus on the race now, like the uh, the Grand Slam race, and like see if yeah. I can finish with the most Grand Slams. Like who knows? Like he's still ahead. Djokovic probably will win another one or two, but I rem- you don't think more than that. Well, I'm just being conservative. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But, well, like yeah. it's it, it's an interesting question. Like, yeah. if do you, do you want to get into this? Because I think it's fun to think about. Like, sure. Yeah. So I think like, that I, has like two in him. If we're like talking at best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I think he's still got a shot at this for sure. So he's ahead right now. Um, he he's probably not going to defend the Australian Open. Um. Just because I think, like, it was sort of the same way that I thought about Djokovic defending the French Open this year. Because, like, on paper, he was the favorite. But it was like, this is his least successful major. I don't think he's winning it two years in a row. I think the same logic yeah. applies to Nadal in Australia. Um, 
I think he'll win in Paris again, to be honest. So that's, yeah, I, I think two is a good number for Nadal. Like, I, I wouldn't rule out another, like, U.S. Open or something yeah, as yeah. well. Anyway, um, yeah. so that puts him at 24. Yeah. Let's To so be Joe, fair, it, because he played so well at Wimbledon this year, and he definitely got, like, a kind of an injury that was, was lame. And obviously, again, the same thing as with the ATP Finals, I would say he would have to probably not face Djokovic. Yeah. Um, I think he could maybe sneak one out if, the stars align. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, I look back to that match they played in the 2018 semis and like, and it all was close to winning that. Um, kind of wonder how things would have unfolded if he had won it, because hmm. since then, I think Djokovic has won Wimbledon four times and it all hasn't won it at all. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that match had enormous ramifications, but yeah, I mean, Nadal's still a factor everywhere. Um, Obviously, Roland Garros is his best one, but so Djokovic needs to get past twenty-four. Um, yeah. I, so, do we give him Australia next year? Uh, I would. I would definitely give him Australia next year. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's a clear favorite. Dude, I, I don't know. I think people are sleeping on Alcaraz. Well, yeah, but I still, I still think Djokovic is 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 bigger. <laughs> Okay. Well, like I, so I, I, I guess what I'm thinking yeah, is I can give Alcaraz a defendant like um, U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah, me too. But yeah. I, I guess what I'm thinking with Alcaraz is yeah. like it's not necessarily that he would beat Djokovic, but like yeah. it's not going to be an easy match, right? He's going to win at least a set. It's going to be brutal. Probably going to be like four hours. Um, let's say Djokovic has to do that in the quarters or the semis, and then after that he gets like Medvedev or something. Which, like, you know, big if, because, like, Medvedev might not even get that far and he hasn't been sharp. But, like, I think those two back-to-back could be brutal. I think, like, maybe they wear him down. You get a situation like the U.S. Open last year. Um, Like, I I don't know. I like, I think it's going to be tough. And as much as we don't like to talk about it very much, but Zverev is probably going to be back, like, next year. I don't know exactly where he's going to be at, like, in terms of his level. He's probably going to be playing with a protected ranking, but... um, if he pushed Djokovic so far the US Open last year, I think he could keep doing it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, if he shows up at, at his best, for sure. But, like, I don't know. He's been out for so long. Um, and honestly, yeah. I really haven't missed him. Um, <laughs> but, 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 like, so we're saying Djokovic needs to get past 24. I think yeah. I think the big thing is, like, he really hasn't shown any signs of age-related decline. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if he shows up at the majors and he plays his best, he's going to win a bunch more of them. I think he'll go past 24, but he needs to avoid like, you know, getting deported and like hitting line judges and like getting not being allowed into countries because he's still not vaccinated. Like there are going to be more moments when he has the opportunity to shoot himself in the foot. It has happened a lot. It has cost him major titles. So will that keep happening? Like, I mean, it could, um, like, and and I, I don't know when he's going to start declining. Like it could happen next year. Um, yeah. It's he he's what thirty five. Yeah, he's thirty five. Starting yeah, like, thirty six in next year at some point. Right. I I don't know how he's still doing his Gumby thing. It's insane, but it's going to stop at some point. Like you can't do that forever. So, you know, if that is sooner rather than later, maybe Nadal gets yeah. him out. Yeah. So how how many would you give Djokovic given no um, shooting himself in the foot? Um... 
given no shooting himself in the foot. Well, yeah. Hmm. Maybe 24 as well. 24. Yeah. I, I, I feel like if he does, like if, if everything goes well for him, um, or like given no shooting himself, I feel like he could get like 25 or 26. Like yeah. I, I, I do think if he doesn't sabotage himself, he'll yeah. win more than at all. Yeah, well, it'd be pretty epic, I would say, like if Nadal and Djokovic end with the same amount of, yeah. uh, same number so. of Grand Slams. But yeah. man, just thinking about it, like if Djokovic actually manages to win 26 Grand Slams, like how ridiculous a number that is. Right. He's six ahead of Federer. Oh my God, man. It's insane to think about. Yeah. I mean, it's insane to think about what they've done already. Like they've, they're the top two for the guys. They've yeah. played 59 times. Um, I, I mean, I hope they play again and that yeah. would make it 60, but like, I mean, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel like Djokovic is anywhere near done. I, like, yeah. I, with Nadal, it's much easier to see the finish line. I, you know, maybe Djokovic is another like four years in him. Like, cause yeah. he, with him, you can tell, like he wants to destroy all the records. Like, yeah. So, Yeah. I do want to see a Djokovic Akras match in a Grand Slam, though. I, I think we yes. we absolutely need that, and I'm thankful that Djokovic looks still very sharp and very fresh at 35 because that gives us a lot of chances for this to happen. Akras does need to make it happen, though. Like in terms of he he's gotta he's gotta pull his own weight, <laughs> which well, I think hey, he, he just won the U.S. Open. <laughs> yeah, which I which I think I he will. Burdens on him here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean. Well, I'm trying to think. So, like, let's say they do play at the Australian Open. Yeah. I feel like they're the top two favorites. I, I don't know how Alcaraz is going to come back from his injury. I think that's probably a factor. Yeah. Like, what kind, what kind of injury is it again? Is it like a foot or abdomen or something like I that? I think it was an ab thing. Yeah. I don't really remember. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like Alcaraz is probably the only one who could beat Djokovic in Melbourne, really. Yeah. Like, I don't have enough faith in Medvedev at the moment. There was a time when I did. Um, maybe there will be another time, but not right now. Um, and then, like, who else is there, really? Like, you know, it, like Nadal, like I said, he is great on hard courts. He will be defending champion. He's not going to beat Djokovic. I just don't. Yeah. I just don't see how that would yeah. be possible. I do um, think, yeah. Yeah. I, so, saying, yeah. I do think that Nadal might lose, like, somewhere around the quarterfinals again next year. Yeah, maybe semis. I mean, I think he could, like, he'll be a really, really tough out, especially for a non-Djokovic player. I think if I think if Djokovic gets him before the final, that could be tricky, maybe. Like, if Nadal yeah. really plays like he has nothing to lose, I think he could probably yeah. make Djokovic's life really difficult for a bit. Yeah. But, like, just that matchup on hardcore, when Djokovic is executing at a high enough level, there is really nothing Nadal can do. In, yeah in those conditions um and you know going back to late 2013 Djokovic has been able to do that every single time they've played on hard court so that is daunting from Nadal's perspective yeah um I, I mean if he doesn't have to play Djokovic like he could win it again um yeah. which yeah. is insane to think about yeah. like yeah I'm really I'm really unsure like it it's it's really tough because Especially like Medvedev hasn't playing has been playing well, but who knows? Maybe he picks up his level like by the time the Australian Open starts again, and yeah. then we got Alcaraz who hasn't been playing um, because of yeah. injury. So 
I think that depending on like how the thing, how things start next year, like how the Australian Open begins, like given um, a few satellite tournaments beforehand, like the two fifties, whoever decides to play, um, I think things could be very interesting. Like it's definitely like a wait and see. Like it's yeah. um, I like the way things are in the ATP right now because. A lot of it is about of a, a waiting, wait and see. Like we don't really know exactly how things yeah. are going to turn out, so that's cool. Finally, yeah. I, I mean, Felix made the quarters this year and had yeah. match point to get to the semis. Like, what's he going to do? Um, he's. I, I don't imagine he's going to lose to anyone easily. He'll he will be a very, a very yeah. tough out. Yeah, I think Medvedev, like best of five, is going to give him a little more margin. I don't think anyone's beating him in straight sets, really. Um, yeah, maybe Djokovic, but. He'll be very difficult. I could see him like running into like maybe a rusty Alcaraz and beating him. Yeah, um, could be. You, you'll have like sort of second tier contenders like Berrettini and Tsitsipas and Shapovalov. I think is more of a third tier contender right now, considering the second half of the year he had. But um, I I don't want to say it's stacked, but like I I don't think it's going to be easy for anyone really. Yeah, yeah. Especially because you have to play all those guys in a row, most likely. So yeah, and. And I think you make a very good point. I mean, like Djokovic is going to be four, right, or five? Uh, I think he's now five. So unless he finds that's something, very tricky. You could get yeah. one in the quarters. So yeah, yeah and, so that's rough. And it could yeah, be Alcaraz, which probably is going to yeah, be. It it will be Alcaraz, I think. Yeah. I mean, oh my god, and I didn't even mention Rude. Like you've Rude as well. Yeah, you got <laughs> yeah like. I mean, Djokovic, like, this is his tournament. Like, is he going to win? Like, I think there's a very good chance. But, like, it's... I think there are a lot of roadblocks in the way. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess on that note, we can uh, start wrapping it up. <sighs> yeah. Sorry, I feel like I ranted a lot about... No, it's fine. Maybe not super related to the ATV. <laughs> I, do, I do think that whenever we rent, those are our best episodes, by the way. <laughs> a lot of people tend to not... Not a lot of people, but sometimes they tend to not agree with our takes, but... <laughs> I do I do like it because at least we got to talk a lot to people on Twitter. So if you do want to yeah. uh, disagree with us, feel free. <laughs> we are yeah, open I, to I, talk I, on Twitter. I've annoyed all the fan bases in the last like yeah. few months, so it will be nothing new. If you I will, I will, I will warn, yeah, I will, I will warn the listeners that if you are a part of a fan base and you want to just kind of like show the same stats over and over again, it's we're probably going to ignore you. So, yeah, if you, unless unless you want to actually talk to us for real, uh, we are definitely open to to that. <laughs> so yeah, um, I mean, I'll, I'll say you can also block me if you want because I get people yeah. saying like, oh, he's like sold his soul to like get the Nole fam followers i'm like oh yeah owen's at the phase where he's at like at three thousand followers on twitter so he's now like half famous which I, means I a lot i haven't of... gained any in like a while like a lot of people have unfollowed me for certain opinions like it's just what <laughs> think. so if you don't like it that is fine it's just yeah <laughs> yeah but anyways uh we can definitely tweet us at tennis and bagels um you can tweet at Owen, if you wish, at, at Tennis Nation, <laughs> you can tweet at me. I don't have that many followers, so I'm going to probably go respond to you very quickly. At Rollenberg Andre, you can also bug Von Shabin. He's he's now a celebrity on Tennis Twitter now with 5,000 yeah. followers. Um, he, he's, a, he's coming up on 6,000, isn't he? Probably. He's getting like 200 likes at every tweet at this point. I know. I'm, I'm going to check this now. He's, sure. like, yeah. he's like a major character in Tennis Twitter. Yeah, yeah. 5,500. That's amazing. Yeah. 
Anyway, Vansh, um hope your fan base can maybe Vansh can make it to 6,000 before the end of the year. Who knows? We'll see. Um, Vansh at VanshP2K. If you don't follow him, help him out. Um, make his, his uh, follower count to 6,000 before Christmas. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time. Hopefully all of us three, but if not, we'll definitely have a good chat anyways, as always. Um, so stay tuned. Actually, Vansh has big plans again. Um, as always, he's pulling out a lot of uh, good guests on this podcast. So thanks, Vansh. Um, and we'll see you next time. Hope for a great off season. Davis Cup's still around. So if you watch that, um, go Canada. And uh, anyways, yeah. see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 